Welcome to Wifey Molotum, the podcast hosted by me, Roger Lopez-Bennett, a born dreamer. In this podcast, we feature young entrepreneurs who have founded their first startup before 30. Why? Well, because under 30, founders are rare and sometimes not taken seriously. But their stories are even more interesting than the rest. And before starting this episode, let me remind you that extra information about the speakers can be found on yfamil.com slash podcast. Enjoy! Hi, Andy. Welcome to yfamil.com, the podcast, a place where young entrepreneurs get inspired by people like you who don't just talk but take action. So, you know, we're changing topics this time, you know, from entrepreneurship to marketing and, you know, which is an essential part of startups. Some of the topics today are uh, customer journey, social media marketing, ad placement and SEO. And, you know, as you see, we also have Dennis here. We have Andy Letting joining us from London, UK. Hello to you all. Yeah, let's get started. So why don't you, Andy, tell us, you know, a bit about your background and, you know, what you've done so far. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Roger. And, and thank you, Dennis. It's been fantastic of to be course. invited to Wi-Fi Milk uh, podcasts. And uh, it's, it's a pleasure to see you again um, after uh, working with you at Holt uh, recently. Uh, yeah, my, I, I've had 20 years experience in digital marketing, uh, essentially. Uh, I work for traditional businesses. I help them uh, grow their, their digital capability or, or fix or their, their broken digital uh, solutions. Um, and essentially, I'm there to um, help educate, to help train, support, uh, build strategy, execute strategy, Um, For those organizations that have found it really difficult to move from a traditional uh, world of bricks and mortar to a more traditional, um, more more traditional and which is now digital, I suppose, uh, in COVID times. So I've been doing this for 19 years. Um, I also also train and I lecture. So I I lecture um, and train young entrepreneurs and students, marketing managers, uh, executives, uh, senior leaders on all things regarding uh, digital and and marketing uh, capabilities and really kind of what the best things that they need to be looking for and how do they succeed in what is now quite a complex world uh, where our customers are have much choice and uh, have high expectations lots of opinion and um, and one that i suppose that is uh, done at speed and and when i say speed is that People have access to so much technology now that it's quite clear that organizations in today's world really struggle to keep up with what customers like, want, and uh, ultimately what they buy. You know, in what areas of marketing have you worked on? I've worked across the whole of the marketing funnel. So I've been there to drive traffic and via awareness. I've also been there to drive traffic to drive sale. I focused on the conversion funnel. So again, for when customers come onto the site or prospects, um, provide them the best possible service to get them to to check out seamlessly. I've worked on retention. So again, not only um, recruiting customers, but converting them, but retaining them um, also. But uh, I think what I I do most is I I also um, introduce new technologies or the latest digital technologies. And essentially I bring those to organizations and, and help them monetize those solutions um, ultimately. And social media is really a classic case of that. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask something real quick there, though. Um, yeah. You said you worked on the whole like customer journey funnel in a way. 
What do you think is a part of the funnel that is most overlooked by either young entrepreneurs or most businesses? Absolutely retention of customers. I think there's an absolute desire to get customers in and there's a real appetite. And that's where all the money goes. You know, if you think about when you talk about big numbers and you talk about growth plans, it's all about, well, I absolutely want to acquire new customers. And, and, and they don't for, they forget that actually, you know, retain those customers. It will save you so much more acquisition money or, or, mm-hmm. or acquisition, acquisition dollars that you could be spending on acquiring prospects, true prospects, as opposed to reacquiring, reacquiring and reacquiring. So, uh, absolutely it's very much about the retention stage and it's a different skill set makes sense different it's a different um appetite it's a totally different understanding and that's why acquisition and retention they 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 need to work seamlessly together yet um at the moment they work they seem the gap seems to get wider and wider and wider in small um startups smes and and, and more so in large organizations it's a yeah. problem across all industries and all sides of organization, in my opinion. Well, very interesting. Yeah. What do you think, like, how much effort should organizations put into, you know, uh, retaining retention and, and acquisition? Like, what percentage goes to, to which one? I think it should be 60-40 acquisition. Okay? You're always going to need to get new blood. You're always going get, to need to get new customers, okay? Because you're not going to have to retain all your customers. That's just a matter of fact. Um, but you absolutely need to put more effort and understand your customers. So whether it's personalizing your website to accommodate customers that, that are coming onto your site, whether it's personalizing your email, whether it's just, again, just building relationships and, and conversations with your customers, then that is going to go a long way. And um, I think you, we have to treat customers uh, you know, not like just a one-night stand. Hey? We, we, they're, they're, there to, they're there to be more... Uh, nurtured and you think, you think about your own personal relationships okay they're built up over time you don't you yeah. don't build you don't build the trust you don't you don't do the marriage you don't do the children you don't do the big house all in the first week and i think organizations lose their way when it comes to um uh, acquisition and then and retention and and, and mm-hmm. des- desperation kicks in and uh, and and ultimately puts your customers off hey you know what you you know what it's like when uh, you know, when someone's bothering you all the time, it puts you off, right? So it's no different. Definitely. No different. Definitely. That's a good analogy there. I like the talk. <laughs> yeah. So how do you see customer journey changing since, you know, we see Apple, um, what else? I mean, all these big tech companies to change, to switch from, you know, selling products to selling memberships. You think it's, you know, the customer journey is becoming, you know, longer and therefore, you know, more, uh, you know, it's more hard. complex. It's yeah. more complex, Roger, because I think if you take this, you just referenced Apple there, and I've, I've been talking about Apple uh, recently, actually. Um, and and the model's becoming more complex because there's only so many units that you can sell. Yeah, there's when you're hitting the saturation point, and when people and your product is so good that people are keeping hold of it for longer, then ultimately that's uh, that's uh, that's fantastic in one way, but. You've got to find ways of generating recurring revenue. So how am I going to get more money and, and more revenue opportunity out of your existing customers? And that's why, you know, you, you think of Amazon, you look at you look at uh, Google, you look at uh, Apple. They're all moving to content models. So some content, as you talk about memberships and subscriptions, to to get a recurring uh, revenue stream from a from a from a device or devices in most cases of Apple 
um, that are lasting and not being changed for, for maybe two or three years. I spoke to a few people and some of them were even saying they don't change their devices for, for five plus years now. So, I mean, yeah. that, says, that says to me that, um, you know, people are either satisfied or they can't keep up with the, the innovation um, and therefore companies have to, to think about how they, um, how they, they manage their proposition and look for, for new ways of doing it. That makes the customer journey quite difficult because, again, when you start to load in all these other services, then it all becomes very cluttered in terms of actually seeing the customer in a, in, with a single customer view. Um, what I was going to say there, though, there, Roger, and um, I hope this is answering the question, is it, it's interesting. When you look at acquisition, we talk about all these tools, you know, acquisition tools such as affiliates and display and social media and search. So it's a, it's a whole range, of, you know, I think you may have heard me say before, a toolkit. But then when companies then start talking about building relationships, they say to you, hey, Roger, that's great that we've acquired you on uh, via a mobile device or via social media, but now you have to sign up to our email. Do you want a relationship with us? You've got to have, a, you've got to have an email address, and that's how we're going to build our one-to-one relationship, which is just crazy, right? Because ultimately, you, you're dictating and you're, you're determining which, which subjects and which products and which services that you're interested in, which channel. Um, and companies have to adapt to that, okay? They're no longer... Do they have the power to determine and say, you, Mr. Customer, have to do what we're set up to do because we don't have the capability to adapt to you? And I think retention and uh, retention techniques are, are still not uh, there in terms of where the customer needs to be uh, and where the customer wants them to be, uh, as opposed to when you talk about acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned something that I want to, to ask you too. So, you know, they like brands ask you to, you know, give them the, your, your email there and then, but at what point that becomes spam? Like, you know, how much of that you have to do and what's, what's your limit, you know? It's a really interesting point. And I think best practice would say that you should never spam your customers. But, but what does that mean in terms of frequency and in, in terms of industry? I, I don't look at it like that. I look at this like conversations, okay? And it's about having reasons to speak to a customer. And it's being very transparent, okay? So it really, when you're saying spam, I'm thinking that you're desperately trying to get them to buy something. You're doing a, a, an offer or, or some kind of promotion. And that's all that you ever speak to them about. Promotion, promotion, promotion. You know, and I... I was in an organization once and, uh, uh, and I said, well, it's, it's, it, we come across really desperate because we're emailing and emailing and emailing probably three times a week. And we just do it. It's been like on a treadmill. We're just doing it because that's what we've always done. Um, and and it, it, it gets really frustrating for, for customers because it looks yeah. desperate. And I mentioned desperation a second ago, but, but think of it in this way, you know, we only have companies only get so much share of wallet of the company of the customer. You think about how much your disposable income, think about how much you're prepared to spend on a, on a product or service. Right. And let's take it in terms of fashion retail. So, you know, you may bought, bought a pair of jeans, you may want a t-shirt, you may want a shirt, whatever, 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 etc. But you, you know, you've got paid at the end of the month and then you, you bought your products um, maybe in a sale moment. And in the first week of having your, of having your pay, um, and then they're constantly bombarding you and saying, no, buy more, buy more, buy more, buy more. 
Um, and, and I look at it like this. It's kind of like saying, well, the company is not happy with the fact that, you know, they've taken their share of, of, uh, of wallet uh, for the month. Um, now they want you to go into an overdraft um, to, and, and push you into, into debt to, 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 to buy their product. And if they're, they're not even happy to stop there. And once they've got you to, to buy another product, maybe halfway through the month or towards the, the, the second half of the month, then, uh, then they want you to get a loan out to buy a product because that's all they're saying. They're saying the same old thing. And there's only so much money that someone's ever going to spend in terms of on, on your, your product or service. So for me, I think spam is about language. Spam is about your, is, is actually what is, what is the strategy. And I think if there, there is no strategy if, if you are spamming people. I call it conversation. I think you can have a, have a, bring people onto a welcome program. I think you can then ease them in. I talked about trust and relationships. You know, ease them in, find out about people. What do they want? What are they interested in? You know what? You think about, you think about dating and, and again, when, you know, when you met your uh, girlfriend or boyfriend, husband or wife, you know, that first few conversations were probably about questions finding a middle ground, understanding yeah, about yeah. someone. What, what are they interested in? What do they like? What do they not like? Um, what are they interested in? So for me, that's a great way for using email to say, do you know what, we just, just want to know more about you because we just want to be, be brilliant at what we do and make sure that you really get that. And we can only do that if we only start to get to know, know, get to know each other better. Um, and I think for me that I would suggest, yeah, maybe a, a newsletter once a week or, or something that is just to keep them, tell them what's going on, what you're doing, what, what's fascinating. Um, and then obviously, as you know, they, they, get, they go through the process of purchase, then you, know, you can obviously <laughs> enter um, more email into the conversation. So maybe some things about, of interest about the, the booking or about the, the area or about the product. Um, you know, and then also get them to review the product or to get them to, you know, share, a, incentivize them just to share and, and talk about that product to, a, to others. So, you know, use them to, um, to engage the funnel. And, and I think that I did this with hotels and, um, you know, it's, it's okay to maybe send three or four emails uh, in, in a week if you're kind of trying to in, indicate to them, well, this is, you're being helpful, but giving them useful information. How to get to the hotel? What happens when you get to the hotel? Where is your room? Where's concierge? Where's the restaurant? Yep. Um, what do you do if something goes wrong? Um, and what happens? If you contact them when they're during their stay. Those are helpful. That's not trying to sell. That's just saying we just want to. We, we want to be. We want you to be as passionate about your experience as we are for you. Um, in, you know, buy, buying from us. And I think that's that's the key for me. So. I don't think, I don't think there is any hard or fast rules. I think it depends on your industry, and I think it's about moments that matter uh, in engagement that will be helpful, and the, the the loyalty, the revenue will just come. But I, I wanted to ask, like, when do you think most companies should get to know about their customer? Uh, when it comes down to the, either the journey or the funnel, because there are some companies that I visit the website of. And I do like the fact that they have a quiz up front, you know, that mm -hmm. they ask you some questions to get to know a bit about, you know, what's your purpose kind of for visiting or being on the website? Are you trying to buy or just trying to browse? And if it's something they can tailor to you, then sure, they will throughout the quiz. Kind of makes me feel good because they take in consideration what I want, what I don't want. But then 
let's say they might not follow that up with emails. The emails might be either too generic and not be too tailored, or as we just mentioned, might be too frequent that it's like, all right, enough, you know. You got me probably in the beginning, but now you've lost me. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the importance? Is it important to get them in the beginning and try and keep them or kind of get them in the beginning, not with that much tailoring, but tailor it after? Well, you can, I, I say I say the beginning is important. Like any relationship, the first impression counts, yeah. right? Um, so I would suggest that the start is the, is the most important. But I think it's about being transparent and just saying, hey, we don't. We we want to get to know you. We don't know you. Uh, we'd love you to ask some questions. Um, and I think like Naked Wines is a brilliant one for that, where it's kind of saying, well, you know, you may not like us. We may not, we may not like you. We may not be. We may we may not be good together. Um, and I think you know what that 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 transparency and that honesty. I think people actually warm to because people don't want their time wasted. I think you know, and I think you know, we should companies should say. Do you know what? This is what this is what you're signing up to. We're gonna start, we're gonna we're gonna send you one email uh, a week, um, and that's gonna be based on on your preferences, um, and 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 that's it. And and yeah. stick stick to that. And um, but just be make sure it's you know it's very it, it's exactly what you're you're telling them. Maybe you're saying actually you know make sure that you're following us on social media because there's a whole. A channel of content there that that is relevant to you that again you can mm-hmm. come and obviously um uh, review at your leisure uh, so i think it's about getting people across other channels and, and not relying on email um and then, then the more channels you can get them engaging on your content yep. the less time they're spending with your competition and hopefully the more time they're spending with you and and hopefully getting a, a great experience and starting to build a and understand you as a brand and uh, and as a proposition okay Makes total sense. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a bit late, right? When they've when they've unsubscribed, or you never see them again, and then you say, "Oh, I should build a relationship with them." Well, how are you going to do that? You've you missed the chance. <laughs> and if and if you don't, then your competition will. So it's it's quite simple. Yeah. I think exactly. if you if you're if you're feeling completely kind of on edge and vulnerable about your competition are gonna um uh, are gonna step in if you if you if you mess it up, then I think that's a, actually it's quite a good place to be in terms of. You know, making sure that you do a good job and you treat every customer as, as equal. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to have, have every customer, you know? You don't need to have every customer. Yeah, you need to have the good ones. Well the, well, the ones that suit you, the ones that suit your brand, the, one yeah, that, yeah. the one that you believe that are, are, are going to be um, aspirational and, and feedback, okay? It's not, you know, we, we talk here in terms of reliance on the customer and or reliance on the company, the organization, to fire out content to build a relationship well actually you can be getting content from your customer and using that as a, as a communication uh to to build that trust everybody still likes to see you know content that they've got shared or, or used to, to to enhance their experience for sure okay wow okay uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a really good answer to both questions um you know moving away from from you know customer journey a bit uh, i know you've also worked in uh analytics you know right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah and so how do you see gdpr and you know vpns affecting uh, this uh do you think it's becoming more you know harder to to know what your you know customers do in your website or well yeah i mean the, the power is with the customer 
Okay, G what GDPR has done is is given given greater awareness uh, about about data and, and customer data to to consumers. Uh, okay, so they they know more now than they've ever known in terms of what companies have been doing with their email addresses and everything mm -hmm. else. Um, this is where brands really have to kind of, um, you know, just be, be honest and, and be ethical. Uh, because again, if you, if you don't have a brand that people trust, then people are going to, you know, they're not going to um, sign, sign up to the cookie policy and GDPR is going to be a big problem for you. Um, and I think it's a, I don't think this is going to go away. I think this is going to get, 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 get worse for organizations. So for me, it's really about saying, okay, well, if you, if you want uh, to have a personalized service, if you want to get all the benefits that digital marketing will give you and that we can give you, then you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to opt in. And I think there's an education piece here. You know, who, who is it? Is it the company that has to educate them? Is it the regulator? Um, is it the is it the legal teams? Is it is it, who is it? Because I think that they're, they're still quite unknown. And um, if you look at legal, a, a lot of legal teams, you know, they will very go. They'll go very much protective, and they'll protect their their uh, the company. And that's obviously the right thing to do. But legal people are not marketers. Okay, so there has to be a middle ground uh, because you're not ever going to sign up to any kind of you know, legal speech uh, that might be a paragraph long because it's not very inspiring. But it might sound quite serious, quite daunting. So for me, I think it's uh, it's really down to the marketers to, um, I guess, use work within the legal frameworks, of course, but but make sure that they're talking the language of the consumer and making sure that they highlight the benefits um, and what they are going to do and what they believe in and what they're going to stand by within the, the legal guidelines to give the best experience. You can't have both, right? You can't have both. If, if they're not going to sign up to, to personalized services, then they're going to get bombarded or going to be exposed to advertising that's not going to be related to them. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be equally frustrating. Yeah, but I mean, you know, do you think it affects the metrics? Like, is it harder to get info? Oh, massively so, because you can't yeah. see them. Yeah. If you look at Google Analytics, you will not see them. You'll, so you'll, you'll have a or large organizations that I'm familiar with, you know, they have a, a, um, obviously a, a cookie policy they work to, a cookie framework. They also then have software to capture and uh, enable those uh, cookie consents. So if, unless that person has actually consented, then that information will not go to Google. They will not see it. Okay, and and that's a real that's a real problem um, for, for for many organisations. Now, depending where you are in the world, will depend on what those percentages look like. You know, the UK may have more of a relaxed view in terms of accepting all, where if you're in other areas of Europe, they may go, actually go through and make the menu of cookies and decide which ones they accept or, or, or not accept. Mm -hmm. So, again, it, the brand and the the credibility of the brand here is absolutely critical. Hello. Well, that's all for today. I hope you really enjoyed it. I, I hope you really enjoyed this kind of different podcast. Uh, you know, the episode was different because we didn't talk about entrepreneurship, but we talked about marketing, which, as I mentioned, is essential uh, for entrepreneurs to understand marketing and, you know, how to do it. 
but but yeah we also had Dennis Mamaki as a co-host which is not normal in this podcast but you know I really um, enjoyed having him here as well and yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode with Andy and don't worry because if you liked it I know you did you'll get to listen to part two um, on Thursday so yeah it's not that far from today and but in the meanwhile you get to listen to a snippet of the next episode Speaking of Telegram now, um, you know, they announced a couple of weeks ago that they are launching a the ad platform. So they're going to start making money out of it. And so do you think it's good to be one of the first adapters and placing ads on that platform? Or, you know, should organizations wait a, a little bit? Yeah, I think it depends on their targeting capability and what data they have, what knowledge they have on their customers. Because if your customer is there, your prospect is there, then then, then why not? Um, but you need to do due diligence. So, so what, what other advertisers are advertising on there from other industries? You know, it might be conflicting if there's alcohol or, uh, or, or industries that are, are not favoring or, or not not really gonna do anything for, you, for, for your brand. So I think there's qualifying questions you have to ask. There's no reason why you can't go first. Okay, so that's all for today. Thanks a lot for listening. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to these on or watching it. It really means the world to me. So yeah, if you are not subscribed or you know, you're not following us, what are you waiting for, right? It's for free. For free. So yeah, just go there and, and give us some love. Alright, well, see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>